Luke chapter 5, and you stand for the reading of God's Word as you do that here. Let's do that. Verse number 1, And it came to pass that, as the people pressed upon him to hear the Word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished at all that were with him, at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when he had thus brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we call upon the name of the Lord. And Father, this is your church. It's your body. It's a habitation of God through the Spirit. And Father, your word is being preached tonight as it should be. And Father, this church is the pillar and ground of the truth. So Father, take your word, and Father, may it be a bright light to shine in the darkened heart. Father, may it be that which produces faith in the heart of the hearer. And Father, use it to give knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, bring conviction. Accomplish your will here this evening. And if there's someone who's with us today who does not know you, their soul is in great jeopardy. And Father, we pray that they would have their eyes opened and you would grant them repentance unto life and they would be saved. Father, my prayer also is that this church would be challenged to do more. Not just continue, but do more. Maybe do something that they haven't done before to reach sinners with the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't recall that I've preached this message before uh, at church here. But if I have, it's a good reminder. But I don't think that I have. But as we read this, I want you to pray 
to the Lord as you're hearing the Word of God and you're listening, that God would lead me to say what I ought to say, what He wants me to say, and that God would open your understanding. The entrance of thy words giveth light. And if the words giveth light, then God wants us to see something. He wants us to understand something. And though you may have heard or read, surely you've read this, message, uh, this, this portion of Scripture, perhaps you've heard a message preached on this before. But there's something that God can give each one of you if you're listening and you're attentive. Because this book is inexhaustible, amen? And so let's consider it. The Bible says, and it came to pass, that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now I want to read this verse again, and I want to just, just for a moment for emphasis, I want to pass by that phrase that's in the middle. And so look at the verse here again. And it came to pass that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He stood by, he's standing by, or let me say it like this, he's on standby. And why is he on standby? Because, insert the part we took out, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. You know what I see here, beloved? We as a New Testament, or you as a New Testament church, you have something that nobody else has in this world. You have a commission, a calling, a responsibility that the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven didn't give to anybody else. Nobody else. And that is to reach souls with the Gospel. And you know something, frankly, it's not anybody else's business. Did you know that? They don't have the authority. Christ gave the commission to His local church, which I believe, brother, is a Baptist church. And I could say a lot about that, but I, I won't tonight. Jesus Christ is on standby. In other words, He's available. He is making Himself available to anybody and everybody who wants to hear the Word of God. And I understand people, we have our, you know, we have our jobs to, to go to, to do, we have to earn a living, we've got to keep ourselves occupied in those things. But I'll tell you this, at the end of the day, there's only one thing that's going to matter to the Lord, and that is if you have been obedient to Him, submissive to Him, yielded to Him, in doing what is at the very heart of God, and that's seeing sinners saved. Are you on standby, as it were, are you available that at any time God should need to call upon you to say, hey, go join yourself to that chariot? Would you be willing to do that? Are you ready to do that? Jesus was. <clears throat> he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. He's on standby, if I may say. Then look at verse 2. And saw two ships standing by. Standing by the lake. These ships are on standby. 
You know what that means, brethren? Now we read here that one of those ships belonged to Peter. That was Peter's boat. But Peter's boat was on standby. It was ready for the using. It was available. Should the Lord want to use it? Because the Bible says, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon Peter's, prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. I don't even see where Jesus asked him. He just went into the ship and said, hey, Peter, thrust me out. What's the application? You know, beloved, the things that we own, that we call our own, they're not really our own. Really, they belong to the Lord. They belong to the Lord. The things that you say that are yours, your money, your house, your houses, your lands, your possessions, your car, whatever it is, you name it, I want to ask you something. Have you sur surrendered that? Is that something that, that we could say is on standby? That, Lord, if you want to use this, you can just use it at any time for any reason. What about your home? Is your home open for God to use it for any, anything that He would want to use it for? Your life? Your children? Any worldly possession? These ships were on standby. Take your Bible and let's go to Matthew chapter 26. <clears throat> Verse 17, now the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, where, where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to such a man and say unto him, the master saith, my time is at hand, I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Here I see that this person's house, whoever, whoever this person was, their home. Hey, if the master wants to use my home, he can do that. Because whatever I have belongs to him. My house, my car, whatever it may be. I think that's a great example, is it not? Let's go back to Luke chapter 5. Then the Bible says, And he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now we know they, they were fishermen, and the Bible says here they're washing their nets. Now back in uh, Bible times, and even today, uh, with commercial fishing, you know they don't take a, a fishing pole and put a worm or a minnow at the end to catch one fish at a time, that would take a lot of time to catch a lot of fish to earn a living. They would go out and they would, they would cast nets. And at this time we see that the disciples, they were not in the boat, they were on shore, but notice what they were doing. They're washing their nets. Now when you're a fisherman of this kind, the nets that they're using are just really an extension of themselves. 
Those nets aren't going to catch anything just by themselves unless they're cast in, unless they're drawn, they're drawn in. You know, that's what the draft is. It's the drawing in of the net. Those nets can do nothing by themselves. The nets are just an extension of the fishermen. But it's interesting that these fishermen were taking needful time to wash their nets. You know, people, that we are not going to catch men. We're not going to bring anybody to Christ if we, as God's people, are not clean. If our lives are dirty, if our lives are uh, filled with worldliness, if we are not living separated lives so people can see a difference. What is pure religion? Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now how would you get a spot on you from the world? Only if you're close to it. Only if you're in it. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I'm just telling you people, if we are filling our minds with, with, with worldliness, uh, whether it comes from you know, different kinds of media, whether it comes from music, entertainments, our associations, I'm just telling you, people ought to look at you and me and they ought to see in a very short time through our conversation and manner and everything, there's something different about you. Amen. Doesn't the Bible say we're lights? Amen, we're lights. And don't lights naturally stand out in the darkness? They do. They do. And if we are a burning and a shining light like John the Baptist, people are going to say, oh, what's that bright light? But if we're like the world, we're, we'll have no impact. They had to wash their nets. And people, we need, we need to keep our lives clean. Our minds, our words, our actions, or we're not going to bring people to Christ. We're not going to catch fish. We won't catch fish. You know, if they threw over these nets and they were filled with clutter and, and garbage and rubbish, and they threw their dirty nets into the, into the sea, those fish, in, in going, in, in, you know, in schools of fish, they're going to see this debris and these, these strange objects in the water, and they're going to Swim around. They're not going to go into the net. Amen? Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Look at verse number 16. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers, and Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. <clears throat> and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the ship. What were they doing? 
mending their nets. In other words, in use of these nets, there were times when the nets would break. The nets would become weak. The nets would be torn. There would be holes in the net. The nets would be, if I can say, would be broken. And in order for these fishermen to catch fish, these nets had to be mended. And I'm thinking in a, in a local New Testament church, the Bible says in many things we offend all. Amen? Doesn't that happen? By the way, have you ever said, <laughs> have you ever said, well, brother so-and-so offended me. You ever said that? Sister so-and-so offended me. You know what the Bible says about offenses? <laughs> In Romans, it talks about it's the weaker brother who gets offended. Amen? In the Bible it says, great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. So if you're saying, I'm offended, well, I guess you're saying you're weak and you don't love the law. <laughs> Amen? Amen? You just indicted yourself. <laughs> well, that's how it is. But, you know, we're human. You know, sometimes people wear their feelings on their sleeves. You know, sometimes our emotions can just be over, overriding and overruling us and we just wake up and we're grumpy or we're, we're in a bad attitude or maybe we're just in a bad mood and just... I mean, somebody could say, oh, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And you can still be offended. I mean, the truth is we get, you know, people kind of have their issues. But you should never let that go on in a church unattended. The Bible says, these fishermen knew we're not going to catch fish if we've got broken nets. It's not going to work. So I have a question. Are there any kind of broken relationships among the membership? Any broken relationships here? You know, it could be between a husband and a wife. It could be between children and their parents. It could be, be between sister so-and-so on this side who sits far from sister so-and-so on this side. Even men, even men can have broken fellowship in a church. And if that's the case, you're not going to have the blessing of God and you won't catch fish. Amen. Right. Let's go to Acts chapter 3. These nets are just an extension of the fishermen. Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. 
And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate in the temple of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And you know the rest of the story here. This man was asking an alms. And what he didn't... Well, what he was soon to realize that Jesus is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's asking for some alms and God gives him a pair of legs. And God heals them. But when you read this, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to pass over this brother. Peter and John went up together. Just think about that. Who is Peter? Who is John? Well, John, we know, is the disciple whom Jesus loved. John was probably a calm, steady person, a very compassionate man, a loving man, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John wrote more about the love of God than any other writer. Just read the Gospel of John. Read 1 John. Talks a lot about the love of God and, and loving our brother. Amen? But Peter, well, we know about Peter, do we not? The Bible says in Matthew 16, and when the Lord began to reveal that he was going to be crucified and so on, the Bible says Peter took Jesus. He just, he physically took Jesus and rebuked him. And imagine. And what did Jesus say? Well, Peter said, Not so, Lord! This is not going to happen to you! Well, in defense of Peter, he loved Pastor Jesus, and he just didn't want to think that something like that would happen to his pastor, amen? But Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then what did Peter do? He ended up denying the Lord three times, right? Remember that. And then when they come to arrest uh, Jesus, he takes out a sword and he chops off a man's ear. He gets violent. Now John, he's not like that. But let's just think of this in practical terms. These two men are members of the same church. Jesus is the pastor. Now what would you do if you knew of a member in your church who started uh, criticizing and even rebuking God, complaining against God. And what would you do if, if someone in your church uh, denied the Lord, denied that He was a Christian because He was ashamed of the Gospel or something like that? What would you do if you heard that one of your men in the church had a sword and physically... How would you feel about that if that was a member of your church? Oh, did you hear what brother so-and-so did? I just can't believe it. He had, a, he had a knife. He had a sword. And he was, got physical with it. And, and he chopped a man's ear off. The brother so-and-so in our church, what's that going to do to our testimony? Right? But you know what John did? As all of the others, they had to be willing to forgive. Now, I, I understand we, you know, we don't do those kinds of extreme things. 
But those, those were extreme things, and yet John had to say, you know what, brother? I forgive you for that as a member of the church. You know, be careful. Don't listen. Don't say, oh, I'd never do that. You know, when I would hear in the news, brother, of all of these weird, um, perverted, heinous crimes, I mean, there's so much going on today. You know, perversion of, of every sort. You know, it's easy to just condemn that. And, and you know what? We, we, we should. But listen, the attitude that we would have so much of the time is, without saying it, oh, I'd never do that. But the thought occurred to me, the same sin nature that causes them to do that is the same sin nature in me. He that thinketh he standeth, standeth take heed lest he fall. But Peter had to forgive him. And if Peter can forgive a fellow brother of those kinds of offenses, can't we forgive one another? And here we see that because Peter and John, they went up into the temple to pray, and they prayed together. You know, if you really want to know if you're really right, right with a brother that maybe you've had problems with, a little tension, a little, little friction, you know the true test, if everything is all taken care of, you'll be able to go to that brother and say, brother, let's pray together. Amen. That'll be a true test, Amen. Well, they were mending the nets. You know, if there's any kind of broken relationships, you need to get it taken care of. Jesus said, if you're going to bring your gift to the altar and you rememberest that your brother have ought against thee, leave there thy gift and first be reconciled with thy brother and then bring your gift to the altar. You know what that means, brethren? That means... That God is not going to accept our service, our, our offering, our gift. He's not going to accept it if we're harboring sin in our hearts one toward another. And we're just thinking we can ignore, ignore it and just go on as usual. And I'll just, you know what, we'll just agree to disagree and you can do that. But if, there's, if you're harboring a bitter spirit, a, a spirit that, that's that broken fellowship. God's not going to accept your gift. Amen. Let's go back to Luke 6 quickly. Or Luke 5, sorry. They were washing their nets. They were mending their nets. Verse 4, Now when he had left speaking... No, verse 3, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, the Bible doesn't say here what the sermon was that day. It doesn't say what it was. But notice in verse 4, now when he had left speaking, <coughs> excuse me, when he had left speaking, so church is over. You may be dismissed. No, not you. I'm talking about in the... I'm not done yet. When church was over, he said to Peter, I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. 
Peter, I want you to go fishing. I want you to go out into the deep. And Simon answering and said, Master, we have toiled. You know what the word toiled means? It means with strain on the muscles. The painting of the muscles. We've toiled all the night and have caught nothing. You know what Peter's saying here, beloved? Peter's saying, Lord, I've worked the night shift. I'm tired. I've toiled all the night. I'm, I'm tired. I want to go home and go to bed. I've worked the night shift. But Peter, though he worked the night shift, he still went to church that morning and heard Jesus preach. And so, now he wants to go home. But Jesus said, not yet. I want you to launch out into the deep. And Peter gave his reason, but then he said, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. The thought occurred to me one day, what is it, and think with me, what is it that caused Peter to obey the Lord? Because it's clear, brother, he didn't want to. In his flesh, he wanted to go home. And you know, we can easily think of reasons not to come to church. I'm tired, I've got a headache. You ever feel like that? We can think of reasons not to come to church. Peter, I'm tired, Lord. I've worked all night. I came to church. Can I go home and go to bed? No. Peter, launch out into the deep. Okay, nevertheless, at thy word. What is it that, that, that prompted Peter to go ahead and deny himself, deny his flesh, and obey the Lord? You know what I believe it was? It was what pre Jesus preached that morning, or at this time. Jesus, it doesn't say what he preached, but I just have an idea that what he preached was going to be directly related to what he's telling Peter to do. Do you know, beloved, listen to this. I'll, I'm almost finished, but listen to this. When you, when you choose to miss a service, when you choose to stay home, when you choose to forsake the assembling and, and you come up with a reason why uh, I, I don't want to go to church today, you're going to miss something that God has for you in His Word that the Lord knows what is in your near future. Maybe tomorrow when you go to work. He knows what you're going to face. And God wants to arm you. God wants to, you to obey the Lord. And if you miss coming to church, you're going to miss that message. You're going to miss that truth that had you heard it, it would have compelled you to obey even though you didn't feel like it. And Peter said, what did he say? Nevertheless, at thy word. And Peter did. And what happened? They enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners with, uh, which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships. You know what I see from this? There needs to be partners in fishing. And when you read in one of the other Gospels, and, and I believe it's in Mark, when James and John left, their father Zebedee in the ship, it says, with the hired servants. We need partners in fishing. We need hired servants in fishing to catch men. 
And you know what I am? Mount Zion Baptist Church, I'm a partner with you, but I'm a hired servant. And I'm helping you fulfill the Great Commission. Because I don't think, you can remind me or inform me, I don't think there's anybody from this particular congregation that's called to Africa, is there, in South Africa? Do you have anybody? But do you know you're commanded to reach people in South Africa? And if nobody here is called, well, then you need somebody like me. And I need somebody like you. Amen. Well, the ships began to sink and they were astonished. The Lord showed himself for who he, for who he was, who he is. The last thing I'm going to show you, and I'll just comment on it. Look at verse 11. And when they had brought the ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Here's, here's, here's an important lesson. And, and I believe Jesus had this plan from the beginning. We can have our nets washed. We can have our nets mended. We can cast our nets. We can toil all the night. We can do all of that. And we're still not going to catch fish. You know why? And I think this is the lesson the Lord was wanting him to learn, at least, at least one of them. Peter showed, and, and you know what, I believe, I believe that God purposefully kept even one, even one fish from going into the net. Because he said, we've caught nothing. That was probably surprising for them. But here's the lesson. We can do all of that, but unless the Lord Jesus Christ has entered into our labor, it's all in the flesh. It was only when Jesus said, at my word, I want you to do this because now I'm going to be your partner. I'm going to be with you. If you'll cast out the net into the deep, you've got me with you. We're going to do this together. So Peter, cast your net out. Now the Lord's involved. Now they're trusting the Lord. Now they're obeying the Lord. And they caught so many fish, the boats were sinking. We can do all of the right things out of habit. But if the Lord is not with us, it's not going to work. Well, they caught so many fish that day, and I personally believe they had never, they had never caught a draft like that before. They caught so much fish with sinking boats. And even at that, with the greatest catch that they've ever seen, you know what the Bible says? They still forsook all. They didn't say, Lord, let, let, let us go to the market. Let's sell all of these fish. We've never caught this much fish before. Just think of the money we could make. If I stay in this business, my business is going so well right now. Look, look, look. And no, the Bible says they forsook all and they followed Jesus. So these are some things that we can learn. Some principles we can apply to our evangelism. Amen.